Today's daf is daf hey in Masechet Rosh Hashanah. We will begin on daf Dalit Amud Bet, 18 lines from the bottom of the Amud. As we've seen, sometimes the dapim, as they appear in the Shas, don't cooperate with our daf Yomi project. The concept of daf Yomi came long after the uh, fixing of the pages of the Shas. And so oftentimes discussions flow along multiple dapim. They're not contained within one daf, and it's difficult to find a place to begin a new unit or to end a unit within a daf. And this is one of those cases, as we've seen, the past couple of dapim have been like that, where we're in the middle of a discussion and there's no way around it. We have to continue in the middle of a discussion, even at the beginning of the shiur. So this piece, which begins 18 lines from the bottom of Dalit Amudbet, is based upon a brighter that came even before that, which is at the top of this Amud, and started actually at the bottom of the previous Amud. And that is about the prohibition of Baltacher, of delaying the bringing of offerings that have been promised. And as we learned, a person who promises uh, to donate something to the Beit HaMikdash, or has an Achatat, or Asham, or Laushlamim, any kind of a sacrifice to bring, or any kind of other uh, sacred obligation, we could say, whether it be to the Beit HaMikdash or even gifts to the poor, has a time limit within which he is supposed to uh, deliver these, uh, these items and, uh, or, or offer these sacrifices. And that time limit is fixed by the holidays. The question is, how is it fixed by the holidays? And we have here a multiple, uh, you know, a multiple way, machloket, multiple opinions. We have the Tanakhama who says three holidays. If three holidays pass, that's considered delaying. Rabbi Shimon says it has to be three holidays in order, meaning it has to be that Pesach, then Shavuot, then Sukkot passed. But if you offered something in the, after Pesach, then the fact that Shavuot and Sukkot and Pesach passed does not make you obligated now uh, in violation of the delay. It would have to be Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot again to consider, be considered a delay. So in that case, you end up with five holidays. And then... Uh, according to Rabbi Meir, even if one holiday passes and you didn't discharge your obligations, you're liable. And according to Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, two holidays. And according to Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon, if Sukkot passed, you're liable. It doesn't matter when you made the uh, commitment or when you when the commitment emerged to bring this offering. If it's right before Sukkot, then the passing of Sukkot makes you liable for delay. If it's before Pesach, then also the passing of Sukkot is the one that will make you uh, considered to have delayed. So it, it's all dependent upon Sukkot. So we have so many different opinions in the Brayta. And we, what was noted in the ensuing Gemara was that according to the, uh, the opinion of the Tanakhama and the opinion of Rabbi Shimon and the opinion of uh, even Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Shimon, it's all based on a Pasuk that describes the Chagim. It's a very famous, uh, well-known Pasuk that says three times a year should, you should appear before Hashem, your God. And so they all learn out from that the parameters of what's considered a delay with regard to these obligations. And that's where we're picking up 18 lines from the bottom. Since none of these rabbis hold the, that the cycle of Chagim is important here, because according to Rabbi Meir, the passage of even one 
holiday makes you liable for delay. And according to Rabbi Elizabeth ben Yaakov, two holidays, so obviously Chag HaMatzor, Chag HaShavor, Chag HaSukot is not describing the amount of holidays that need to pass for it to be considered a delay. So what do we do according to them with that Pasuk? Hai, B'Chag HaMatzor, B'Chag HaShavor, B'Chag HaSukot, Ma'i Darshube. Mi Ba'ilu, Leket Rabbi Elazar, Amar Rabbi Oshaya. They needed for a halakha that was stated in the name of, by Rabbi Elazar, in the name of Rabbi Oshaya. Amar Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Oshaya. Minayin Lazar, Cheish Latash, Bin Koshiva. How do you know that if a person did not fulfill their obligation to bring certain korbanot, the korbanot that need to be brought on Shavuot, even though it's only a one-day holiday, that he has seven days to complete, uh, to, to fulfill his obligation. In other words, he has six days after Shavuot, during which he can bring those korbanot, and that's, by, by the way, why we have no tachanun for six days after Shavuot, because that was the time people were still bringing their korbanot for makeup time. Just like Pesach, you have, <coughs> in other words, the fact that all the holidays are mentioned in the same Pasuk teaches you that they're all linked to each other. Just like Pesach has a makeup of seven days, meaning that you can bring on that whole seven days of Chag HaMatzot, you can bring the offerings that were supposed to be brought on the first day, the Chagigan, the Olat you could bring them all seven days. So too, you can bring for seven days the obligations of Shavuot. And, uh, and that's what they learned from that Pasuk. So, Ul velikish lechag sukot lehalan shimona af kan shimona. Why don't we say that uh, if we're going to compare, if we're going to link Holidays to one another, why don't we say that just like Sukkot has eight days, because that's also Shemini Yatzeret, so too Shavuot has eight days. Why are we limiting it to, linking it to Chag HaMatzot, to Pesach, and making it only seven days? It says, no, Shemini Regel B'fnei Atzmohu. No, because really the eighth day of Sukkot is not really Sukkot. The eighth day of Sukkot is Shemini Yatzeret. It's a different holiday. So it's not that there's eight days of Sukkot. It's a different holiday. So comparing Chag HaShavuot to Chag HaSukkot would still only give you seven days, because the eighth day is only a, uh, is, is not the same holiday as Sukkot. So the Gemara says, It's only true that we say that Shmini, that Shmini Atzeret is a holiday in its own right with regard to Pazir Kashev, which is something that we always see, that which Rashi spells it out, that pay, the pay of Pazir is Pais, that, uh, that even though on, on Sukkot they would follow the order of the Mishmarot of the Kohanim, in order for the offering of the different uh, sacrifices of which there were many on Sukkot, on Shemini Yatzeret, there would be a new lottery to determine who was going to offer the Korban of Shemini Yatzeret that didn't follow the regular schedule of Sukkot. And the Zayin in Pazer Izman, there's a Shechiyanu. Veresh is to tell you that we don't, that Regel, that we don't call it by the same name as Sukkot, it has its own name. And the Kuf is a Korban, it has a different Korban than the Korbanot of Sukkot. It doesn't follow the same pattern of the Korbanot of Sukkot. The Shin of Keshev is Shir. It has its own Shir Shilyom. We don't read the Shir Shilyom of the, uh, of Sukkot. And the Bet Bracha Le'atzmo. Rashi says that that means that they would bless the king on Shemini Atzeret. It had a special mitzvah to bless the king that, uh, only applied on Shemini Atzeret. That's according to Rashi's interpretation. Tosfodir on the side in Pazer Keshev brings, and this is a machlok at a discussion that Rashi and Tosafot have every time this comes up throughout Chas, a different interpretation of some of the terms here and some of the letters here, but just for simplicity, we're going to stick with what Rashi says, but it's worth looking at the Tosafot of Pazer Keshev to get an idea of what he says about this because it's applicable to every time that the, uh, that the issue comes up. And then the Gemara asks, Still, 
even though Shmini Yatzeret, with respect to those six things, is a separate holiday, with regard to making up for Sukkot, if somebody couldn't bring the Korban out of Sukkot, it's still a make-up day. Because we said, We learned that if somebody didn't bring the korbanot that they were obligated to bring on the first day of Sukkot, they can do it the rest of Sukkot and even on Shemini Yatzeret. So it should be that there's really eight days of Sukkot and we should give you eight days of makeup or really seven days of makeup, meaning Shavuot plus six more days, uh, plus uh, seven more days instead of six more days, uh, uh, for Shavuot. So it says, no, whenever we have the opportunity to compare the two things, and one thing will give us more, and the other one will give us less, we always go with the conservative. And we say, you know what? Rather than grab too much, if you grab too much, you get nothing. That's the saying of the Gemara. So therefore, you know what? Let's grab little. Since you have a choice of eight or seven, we're going to take seven to be on the conservative side. Only extend Shavuot and say it's going to be seven days, not eight. For the makeup for the Korbanot. Now the Gemara says, So if that's true, you only showed me why I need to link Chaga Matzot and Chaga Shavuot. So why do I need to mention Chaga Sukkot in this Pasuk at all? To teach you something else. That just like Chaga Matzot, you have to stay overnight. In other words, you have to stay, and not just the Yom Tov night, but you have to stay over, you can't leave Motzei Yom Tov. You have to leave. You have to leave the first day of Chol Moed. You have to. You have to stay over one night. Avchag Sukkot only now. You also have to do the same thing. Wait until the first day of Chol Moed to leave. Don't leave on Motzei Yom Tov. meaning leaving Yerushalayim. Vatam minalan. And how do we know that about Pesach? Because when it talks about the Korban Pesach, it says get up in the morning and go home. It's obviously not talking about the morning of Yom Tov because you wouldn't be able to travel home on that day. But it means the morning after the Yom Tov. And so too on Sukkot. So what about the rabbis that use the Pasuk to teach you that that's the cycle of the Chagim that determines when you've delayed your Korbanot what, how are they going to learn that there's seven days of makeup or six days of makeup for Shavuot Korbanot? How are they going to learn that? Since they used the Pasuk, B'chag HaMatzor B'chag HaShavuot, to teach you something else. Because the Torah tells you that uh, count days and sanctify the month. Count days and sanctify Atzeret. Ma chodesh limnuyav, afatzeret limnuyav, just like a month is like that which you count to get up to it, so too is Shavuot like what you counted to get up to it. Now Rashi explains, what does it mean? That you meant you measure a month by a certain number of days. Ad chodesh yamim, it says in the Torah. So, and then what happens? Kidusho echad mi minuyav. In other words, you count 29 days or 30 days, and then you have one day which is Rosh Chodesh. So too with Atzeret, with Shavuot, you count 49 days, and the 50th day is the day of uh, Shavuot, right? So the thing is, but um, if that's true, Ema Atzeret, so in other words, the Gemara is right now saying, since, uh, since you count weeks, in other words, since you count uh, units of seven days, um, so therefore, uh, because you count, when you count the Omer, you count weeks. So therefore, you should also count units of seven days, meaning weeks, to create 
uh, you know, for, for Shavuot itself. Shavuot itself should extend seven days. Now, obviously, the holiday doesn't extend seven days, but six days after Shavuot should also be considered a makeup day. So it says, But according to that logic, really, Shavuot should only have one day and they shouldn't have any makeup days. Why? Because you count 49 days. You don't just count seven weeks. Right? So the Gemara says, Are you saying we only count days, we don't count weeks? We count weeks. We know that it's a mitzvah to count both the days and the weeks. So therefore, you should have a... Um, you should have, it should have a week built into it. That there's a week of Shavuot time. Ve'od, Chag Shavuot G'div. And it's even called Chag Shavuot, which shows you that it is created by the counting of weeks, not just by the counting of days. And that's why it's constituted as a week, meaning that it's not just the one day of Shavuot, but the six days following that during which you can bring the Korbanot. U'Pesach, Bar Mekrav, Bergalimu. Can you really bring the Pesach during Regalim? Now this is going all the way back to the Brayta before, that mentioned among the things that you are liable for Bal Tachir, for delaying your Korban, it mentioned the Pesach. Now there's a problem, because what do you mean you waited three holidays to bring your Pesach? You can't bring a Korban Pesach, it's only one afternoon you can bring a Pesach, which is Erev Pesach. Pesach, Zimna Kvi'alei, I'akrovei akrovei, lo akrovei, lo akrovei, if you didn't bring a Korban in its time, Korban Pesach, it becomes a Shlamim afterwards. You can't say that uh, you're bringing a Pesach before Sukkot, you bring a Pesach before Shavuot, Amavchizda Pesach Kedi Naspa. Amavchizda said the Tana just threw in Pesach Kedi. Just it just threw in the words because it was listing all the different kinds of korbanot. It mentioned Pesach. It didn't really mean it. You're right. There's no way that you could bring a Pesach in a delayed form anyway. No, my Pesach Shalmei Pesach. We're not talking about the Pesach itself. We're talking about if a korban Pesach got lost. And it therefore wasn't offered. And you brought a different one. And then you found the original one. It becomes a shlamim. It's an extra one. Right? Since it's a shlamim, now it has a timeline ticking of three holidays. You have to bring it within the next three holidays. Since now you have a korban that is a shlamim and you're obligated to bring it. That's called shalmei pesach. So iach yainu shlamim. But if that's true, it's the same thing as a shlamim. We already said that if a person donates a shlamim, a korban shlamim, he has three holidays in which to bring it. There's a difference because one is it comes as a result of Pesach. In other words, that was really originally a Korban Pesach. It got lost and it came back and it became a Shlamim. And, and there's also a different Halakha for, I mean, it ends up being the same Halakha for a Shlamim that you just designated as a Shlamim from the beginning, but you might not have known that. Because you might have thought that since it was originally a Pesach and it only later became a, 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 a Shlamim, which would be just like a Pesach and just like a, a Korban Pesach has to be brought on its holiday, right away, so to the Shlamim, the first holiday would be, you'd be liable for not bringing it. The first holiday that comes up on the schedule that you didn't bring it, you'd be liable. Therefore, it's coming to tell you that no, it goes by the same, uh, uh, the same rule as any other Shlamim. Minahanimile, where do we get this idea from? That everything in the list, on, in the Brayta that was brought on the previous daf is included in the, the Halachot of Baal of delaying from the following Pasuk, the Tanur the rabbis learned it from Pasuk, Ki Tidor Neder. It says, if you shall vow a vow to Hashem, Enli Ela Neder Neder How do we know that that's, how do we know, we know a Neder. A Neder is when I say, Harei Alai. I commit myself to bring such and such Korban. How do I know that even a Nedavan, Nedavan is when I say, this animal I designate as a Korban. I don't put the obligation on me. I put it on the animal. And therefore, if the animal gets lost, I don't have to make up for it. Right? So, Minai. 
Because the words neder and nedevah appear together in a different pasuk. It's exera shavav sorts. In one place the neder and nedevah are linked. In one place it just says neder malahalan nedevah imo afkan nedevah imo. Just like it appears with nedevah in another place, it's meant here as well that neder and nedevah are the same. You make a commitment; it has to be fulfilled in time. Hashem Elohechat says to Hashem your God, Elu charamin sorry Elu adamin. These are the various kinds of monetary obligations, donations that you make. Erech, we know, is when you say the Erech of so-and-so is going to be paid to the Beit HaMikdash, and it's determined by their gender and their age. The Charamin is another type of a uh, contribution that's given to the Beit HaMikdash or to the Kohanim, it depends. The Hekdeshot and other sanctifications that are made is, are alluded to in L'Hashem Eloecha. Do not delay in paying it. So it says, it and not its substitutes. Rashi says, You will be liable for the thing itself if you don't bring it in time, but not for chilufav. We'll see what exactly that means in the ensuing Gemara. Because Hashem will seek it from your hand. That is talking about the chataot and ashamot and the olot and shlamim, meaning the obligatory korbanot. Sin offerings or olot and shlamim that you're obligated to bring on the holidays. Obligatory offerings. Hashem Elohecha elot dakot masrot obechor. Because it says, this is, so this, from the word Hashem Elohecha, that means tzedakah and maser, that's given to the Levi, or that's given to the poor. And the firstborn animals are alluded to in the word Hashem Elohecha. Me'imach, from you, zeleket shechalpeah, this is talking about the gifts to the aniim, to the poor, that have to be delivered to them within the time frame allotted. So we learn from the extra words in the pasuk, uh, that all of these different kinds of items are included by Yabachachet. If you delay, there will be a sin in you. means that the Korban doesn't become invalidated by its being delayed. It's just that you violated the prohibition of delaying the Korban. So now the Gemara asks, or goes back to the statement, What do you mean when you say Chilufav? Its substitute isn't subject to Baal Tachir. What are you referring to? If you're talking about Chilufim, the substitute of an Ola or Shlamim, meaning that the Ola or Shlamim got lost, and you had to replace it with another one, and the original one came back. So you offer it. It's like any other Korban. So why is that a Chidush? Well, I mean, why should that be any different? Right? Meaning, if you're talking about the, uh, that an Ola got lost, or Shlamim got lost, and you replaced it with something else, and the original came back, so the original has to be offered just like any other Ola or Shlamim. You can't do a Chilufei Chatat. In other words, if you bring a substitute Chatat, and the original one comes back, it has to die. So it's not going to be offered. We know that. That's the rule about a Chatat, that if you substitute for a Chatat that got lost, the original Chatat goes to die, because it has no purpose anymore. It becomes obsolete. We must be talking about the substitute for Todah, your Korban Todah went on the loose, it got lost, and you had to replace it with another one. Right? And then the original came back, Titanic, Rabbi Chia, Todah Betmurata, Umeta Achat, man. If you have a Todah that got mixed up with its Tmurah, in other words, you made a Tmurah of your Todah, which obviously normally you're not supposed to make a Tmurah, but it's effective if you do, as we learned. So if a person transfers the sanctity of the Korban uh, Todah onto or another Koban, which you're not supposed to do, but he tries to. So now they're both Kodesh, we know that. So they get mixed up. Now you can't identify which was the original, which was the Tmurah, and now one of them dies. There's nothing you can do with the leftover one. Why? What are you going to do? Maybe you'll offer the one that's left over. The question is like, the problem is that whenever you make a Tmurah, it has to be offered just like the original Koban. You can't get away from the Ketusha. You can't eliminate it. It just spreads to the other animal. So the thing is, the rule by a Todah is that only the actual Todah comes with the breads, the 40 loaves that you bring. But the Tmurah does not. 
So if you don't know if this is the Tumwa or the original Toda, what are you going to do? If you bring it with bread, maybe it is just a substitute and it shouldn't have bread. So maybe you'll say do it without bread, but maybe it is the real Toda. But if that's the case that you can't really offer it, so, so then I wouldn't need a pasuk to tell you that I don't need to bring it. Because if this whole pasuk is telling me about a todah that got mixed up with its tmurah, I don't need a pasuk to tell you that because logic tells me that I, there's no way that I can possibly offer it. I don't need a pasuk to inform me of that. So therefore, what do we say? What do we do? Um, right, because uh, like Rashi explains it, if both of the animals were alive, then you would just bring them the two together and bring the bread and say whichever one it goes with, it goes with. But you can't do that here. Right, because one of them died. Let's go back to our original suggestion that the whole purpose of the pasuk is to is to exclude if you had an olaw shlamim that was obligatory and it got lost and uh, or you 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 consecrated a uh, a korban olaw or korban shlamim and it got lost and you replaced it with another one and the original ones come back. So it says in that case, that's what it's telling you that there's no liability for delay. We're talking about a specific type of a substitute here. Not where it got lost and it was replaced, but where you had the animal that was the the olaw the shlamim, and two holidays passed. So you're up to the you're up to the wire, meaning you're you're down to the wire. It, it's about to be the third holiday, and then it gets a mum. So what do you have to do? You have to deconsecrate it on another animal, transfer the Kedushan to another animal, so now the other animal can be the substitute. So what do you say? Should the clock start ticking again and you have three more holidays to offer it, or does it adopt the clock of the Kedushan that it received? So it says, the Kedush is, since the power of this Korban, in other words, its Kedushan came from the original Korban, and the original Korban had already passed two holidays and it wasn't brought, so therefore we should say that Keman, uh, it's like a, uh, it's like passing the three holidays already because two were passed with the original Koban and one was passed with this Koban. So Kamash Malan, it's telling you that no, it's not, so it gets its own timeline. It gets its own clock. The clock starts over once the Kedusha has to be transferred to a new animal away from the original animal because it developed a move. Over According to Rabbi Meir, once you pass one holiday, you're violating Baltachir Ma'ikalamimar. What will we say according to him? Because according to him, it would be true that if you pass that one holiday, you would be liable. Because it's always true that if you pass one holiday, you'd be liable. In other words, if you had an animal, Koban Ola, that passed two holidays, and you didn't do anything about it, and then you transferred the Dushan to another one, um, of course you're going to be liable if you hit one holiday. Because according to Rabbi Meir, you already violated that prohibition twice with the previous animal because every holiday that you pass is a violation. So of course the new one is also going to be in violation if that happens. So what's a chidush according to him about that, that the, uh, the idea of Baltachir doesn't apply to substitutes? What's it going to, what's the chidush according to Rabbi Meir? He says that, um, Salka Data um, because let's say on the holiday itself, you were going to offer your Koban on that holiday. And then what happened was, they developed a moon on the holiday itself, and so you, you moved the Kedusha onto a new animal. But by doing that, you, you, you might say that because it, you went into, meaning you, you had the new animal on the holiday, so it's like you passed one holiday already. In other words, you might have thought that 
since you, the kedusha of the new animal derived from the kedusha of the previous animal, and the previous animal started out the holiday, and we're talking about according to Rabbi Meir, that even passing one holiday with a korban in your possession that you didn't offer is bad. So since on the holiday itself it developed the mum and you transferred, so the first half of the holiday, the original korban was uh, was extant, and then you tr- it became uh, uh, it became blemished. So you transferred the kedusha onto another animal. So that other animal only spent the rest of the holiday without being offered. But since it didn't spend the entire holiday, even though it's true that if you took look at the Kiddushah that started on Erev Chag and went all the way to the end of the Chag, it's the same Kiddushah because the original Kiddushah got transferred onto the second animal. But that animal didn't have that Kiddushah for the whole holiday. So therefore, it's not considered that you waited a whole holiday without offering it. You don't have to assume, you don't have to look at it that way. It gets one more holiday. It says it will be in you a sin if you do this. But it doesn't invalidate the korban. Is that where we learn it from? We learn it from Achirim. It says in the Brayta, You might have thought that a firstborn that passes its year is like an invalid korban and it can't be brought. It says you can eat before Hashem the maser of your grain, your wine, and your oil, and also the firstborn animals, and uh, and it says makish b'chol lemaser. It compares b'chol to maser. Ma maser unifsal b'mishnah chaverta. Just like the maser that you have, you can wait from one year to another. It doesn't become invalidated as long as you eventually bring it to the right place, right? So you could say the same thing, um, meaning that uh, that uh, in the case of the uh, in the case of the maser and the. Uh, and the and the uh, the grain products, in other words, that you're supposed to bring to to Yerushalayim to eat. We don't say that because it was delayed, it becomes invalidated, right? So so too, so too, a bechor doesn't become invalidated. In other words, even though you, it has the, uh, they both have the restriction that you're not supposed to leave them, uh, you're not supposed to leave them past their uh, their time. But if you left them past the requisite time, it doesn't invalidate them because just like the Maser, you have more time, you have more than the three holidays, you have uh, a few years to take care of your Maser obligations. So, so too, the, um, the, the Bechor, you have more time. So even though you passed the time, you violated the prohibition of delaying it, but it doesn't invalidate the Korban. So if that's the case, we already have a source for the idea that a Korban doesn't become invalidated by the delay. So, uh, because you might have thought that that only applies to Bechor. Why? Because Bechor is not coming as Hatsa'a. It's not coming for a Kapara. It's, com- it's just a gift. It's just something that we give. You might have thought that a Korban that is delayed, let's say a Chatat is delayed, or any other animal is delayed, past the Regalim that just they're supposed to be brought, in other words, past the three Regalim, or the two, or the one, depending on which opinion. So you, so, uh, you might think that now, since you already did a violation by not bringing them on time, maybe they, it won't atone for your sin, the Chatat. It won't fill your obligation. It says, no, Kamash Malan. It comes to tell you that it doesn't invalidate the Korban, even though you did something wrong by delaying it. But we don't even need that Pasuk, because we have a source from Ben Azai, Titania, Ben Azai Omer, Oto. It says Oto in the Pasuk, when it's talking about somebody who uh, delays the, uh, who, who, uh, when it's talking about actually a, uh, uh, the Pigul, right? That the Pigul is not accepted, that someone who brings a Korban Pigul is not accepted, and we know that a Pigul is somebody that uh, has in mind with the wrong time that they're going to 
offer the korban or eat the korban at the wrong time, when they're doing the avodah, they're thinking that they're going to complete it in some way in the wrong time. That makes it pigul. It says oto. It's not accepted. Right? So it says, Why does it have to emphasize it is not accepted? Because we know that you're not supposed to delay any korban. You might think that if you do delay it and then you bring it, Hashem won't accept it. Talmud Lomar, Oto. Only that comes is not accepted. Meaning only the pigul. But someone who delays their offering that they promised is not rejected because of that. Right? So, uh, so, the, so therefore you see um, that uh, uh, that we already have a source that the korban doesn't become invalidated, so we couldn't use the source about bechor because I could only be telling you something about bechor. We know that, but now we have a source from Ben Azai right here that shows you that somebody who delays a korban doesn't therefore lose credit for the korban if they bring it late. So why do we need bechached v'lo bekorban achached? Why do we need the brayter to tell us that you did the sin by delaying, but the korban is not invalidated? Why do we need that? So the Gemara says, you're right. We're going to change what we learn from that word. What it's come to tell you is that your wife is not going to be punished for it. Since Rabbi Yochanan and some say it was Rabbi Elazar said that the wife of a person will only die if they ask him for money and he doesn't have. In other words, if he makes a commitment to give to Dakam, they come to collect it and he doesn't have it, he doesn't pay it. Right? So it says, Says if you if you don't have what to pay, why should they take your bed from underneath you? In other words, don't make commitments that you can't fulfill. And what does it mean they're going to take your bed from underneath you? So the shot of the pasuk is that they're going to confiscate your bed to sell it to pay off your debts and whatever you owe, right? But that's but the rabbis interpret it metaphorically as something else. That ema behai avon the so so ema ema behai avon the bout acher nami ishtometa. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped part of it. Oh, no, I didn't. You might have thought that just like if a person doesn't satisfy their, their obligations, monetary obligations, their wife could die from that, so too maybe it's true if they delay the bringing of korbanot. So it's coming to tell you that no, the sin is on you and not on your wife. She's not going to suffer for your uh, being late with the obligations that you are supposed to fulfill, even though it does say that if you default on your monetary obligations, especially tzedakah, but even other monetary obligations that you took upon yourself willingly, then uh, her life is in danger and, uh, and she could suffer as a result of that sin. But that would not apply to somebody who delays the kobanot that they bring.